Hello, um, welcome to the Beginner's Mindset Living Room Podcast. And this is your host, uh, Taki Musa. And I would like to uh, welcome you uh, to tune into our show tonight. And I have a special guest. I would like, uh, first of all, to take this opportunity, other than welcoming you, to introduce yourself to me and to the audience. So if you can just introduce yourself. Sure. I'm very happy to be here virtually. Um, I am Layal Suji. I am um, a Palestinian artist, um, I guess immigrant dual citizen. Um, I'm a third year college student. I'm currently studying visual and critical studies in Chicago. Yeah. I am an activist and um, lover of, of, of art, I guess. Okay. All right. Um, so uh, I think uh, you seem to be the kind of a person that you have many different facets in terms of who you are and what you are. And uh, I think it will be very interesting to me as your host and also to the audience, if you can uh, just walk us through the journey of your life as far back as you can remember from the time, obviously you don't remember when you're born, but from the moment you remember to, to date. And uh, in this journey, if you can talk about you as a person, your family, your education, um, your interests uh, and things like that, yeah. And including the places that you have lived. I think that would be also very interesting to hear. Um, let me see, starting as far back as my memory goes. Um, that I think started, started when I was living in Nazareth. So I was born there. Um, it was just me, I was the first child, me and my mom and dad. Um, yeah. In Nazareth, we lived in uh, kind of the center. Um, so yep. it was touristy, I remember that a lot. Um, Arabic was my first language because I lived there until I was four years old. Um, and and also my fondest memories, I think, for, from like those days were living in my um, grandparents, like not basement, but like in their house. Yeah. Um, we in Nazareth, there's just a, a very big emphasis on family, and we always live kind of in these complexes of you know, the family like completely lives in one house, each different family, you know, different section nuclear yeah. uh, has a different like level of the apartment building. Right. Yeah. So it was a, a very big emphasis on family. I was always around my cousins, always around uh, aunts and uncles. Um, and my grandparents, of course, they played a, a very big role in, oh. in my childhood. Mm. Um, they're all still in Nazareth. So that was, you know, the beginning. Mm. And then after that, when I turned five, we moved to um, a place called Cambridge in Massachusetts. Okay. So that was like the biggest move. Yeah. And it was just me and my mom and dad still at that point. Okay. Those were the peaceful days. Yeah. <laughs> um, my dad worked at as, as an architect. So he moved because he found work um, at a firm in Cambridge. Okay. Um, he... He's very, very talented. I'm, I'm a big fan of my father. He's oh, great to hear that. <laughs> he's a, he's a big role model for me. Yeah. Mm. Um, so he moved there. He, he found a house in um another area called Newton while we were there, um, and this house was kind of a, a mess. It was in shambles, kind of you know, dirty house. Mm. Um, and he decided that he wanted to rebuild it for us. Okay. Um, so we could live there. So every few months, m me and my mom would leave and go back to Nazareth. This was when I was like five. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so we would go back and forth so he could build the house. 
Yeah. Um, and it wouldn't, you know, get in the way of us. So we would leave, go stay there with my grandparents and aunts and uncles, and my dad would just work on the house. So and how then, long? How long would you be away for? Like at that time when you go away to Nazareth. That time, well, I was not in school. I was just in preschool, so it, it didn't really matter very much. Okay. Um, it was like two months or three months at a time. We'd go and come back. Yeah. So you give him a plenty of time to work on the, yeah. on the house, but he was still working. Of course, he was still doing his job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's good at juggling things. He yeah. Has a, like, <laughs> organizational skills. Yeah. Um. So that was that period of my life. And then the, the house was finished. It was beautiful, like an amazing house. Yeah. Um, it, it used to be like a two-person home, and then he turned it into like one big house. It, it wasn't too big. We had to move out because it got too small. But um, <laughs> for the three of us, it, it was really great. Yeah. Um, yeah, he did that. Um, the next stages of my life were mostly based in Newton. Mm. Um, so it was also at that time I started elementary school, um, had to learn English yeah. <laughs> quickly. Um, I have a lot of like funny memories. I used to go to this preschool, like the YMCA okay. preschool and they, I like didn't know any English. <laughs> <laughs> so I would just like draw things for them. Yeah. Just like tell them like I want a spoon and just draw a spoon. Um, I just didn't know how to talk. And then there was one day that they sent me home with like another girl's shoes. <laughs> like there was just like so many stories of like oh my lord okay <laughs> learn English. Um, uh, but then yeah, and then after that, I guess elementary school. My brother was born. This is okay. like the long, the long way of telling so, you. So, so how old are you at that time? At that time, I was, uh, I think there's like I was like five, so because I started elementary school. Yeah. Okay. Five. He was born, and then, yeah, and then it was the two of us. We shared a room. Yeah. Um, in that house. Um. But that was, it was very peaceful. That neighborhood was very close to the city. Uh, we had, uh, we were like walking distance from a library. Okay. Um, my mom was being, my mom was working as a graphic designer. Okay. From home. So she spent her whole day with us um, at home. Also high praise to my mom. She was like yeah. very dedicated to making us creative, independent kids. Yeah. That must have worked out quite well uh, that your mom was able to work uh, from home, doing her work from home and being able to to look after you or to be with you. Yeah, it was a privilege, really. I, yeah. I, I feel very grateful for that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, after that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we lived there. So that was our second house because we went first to Cambridge when we went to the U.S. and we moved to Newton. And then after that, um, our most recent house was in a, a suburb of Boston. Okay. Um, we just wanted kind of a, my dad was done building <laughs> things <laughs> and like fixing the house. Yeah. So he, he was looking for like a finished house that he didn't have to fix. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was just over the renovation process. Um, so we found a house in the suburbs mm. that um, was satisfactory to the architect. Um, and we moved there when I was in the fifth grade. So that was, how old was that? Like 12? Mm. Well, maybe younger. Okay. I think I was like 10. Because okay. My third brother, my second brother, the third child was born. Was and born. Okay. So it was around that time that I started kind of 
finding my way in the world because we moved from a, a pretty diverse town that was mm. close to the city to a predominantly white neighborhood, um, not so much diversity, a lot of space between houses, kind of had to drive everywhere type of area. Yeah. Which was a pretty big shift because I had never really experienced um, being a minority, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, so. And I and I guess also probably you are uh, a bit of the independence that you used to was uh, was no longer there because uh, everywhere you have to go, you have to be driven, right? Yeah, exactly. So I had to be exactly very reliant on my parents and on um transportation yeah which is safe i guess when you're a child because you just are playing in the street but yeah to move around anywhere it's a very different idea of independence yeah yeah okay all right um but i was very critical of that town and i still am to this day um because we still live there so when i go back and forth <laughs> I have some critique. <laughs> it must be quite interesting. Um, so yeah, that, that takes us to the high school days, which are, are very formative, I think. Um, the, the ages from like 15 to 18 are really when you kind of find the people that you most associate with or you resonate with, what you yeah. are interested in for school. Yeah. Um, so in a way, I'm very thankful for that for that opportunity because the school system was very good in that town. It was just about um, not having the kind of people around me that made me feel like included, you know? Okay. So those are still things that we have to work on. Um, yeah. Um, and then afterwards, <laughs> I... It's funny because I feel like that's very recent. Like I, in, in my head, that's like the most recent phase of my life. But in reality, I had a whole, a whole other phase afterwards in Rome. Yeah. Um, because, oh, actually I had two phases. Mm. <laughs> oh, Tell me about it. <laughs> um, after high school, um, a lot of people decided to go traditional routes with um, their studies because just in that school, the graduation rate is very high, so people are expected to graduate out of high school, get a good GPA, and then go on to higher education immediately. Okay. They really don't have any kind of sense of uh, gap year or, or any kind of break time to study. There's, there's just school and then more school. Yeah. So in the American school system, people go into university very young. Yeah which I'm finding now a lot too, because um, I just kind of forgot how, how young people are and kind of like immature you are when you're <laughs> which is really funny. Um, but I, I didn't want to do that because I thought that making a, a life decision at 18 was a little bit too early for me. I thought I needed more time to I guess it's the cliche of, you know, find myself, explore the world. Yeah. Um, so the, the decision to take a, a, a break or a gap year, was it more about you finding more what you want to do or more about exploring the world before you continue to with a further education? That's an interesting question. I think I think it's a little bit of both. Okay. Because on the one hand, yes, I was very sheltered in the town that I was living in, and there was no uh, exposure to different cultures through people from that culture. Instead, it was just we had the people surrounding us, and they were all, you know, very um, local. Okay. Um, and then also it's it was also about finding myself because I felt that uh, like you were saying with the transportation I was very tied down to um, the area that I was in yeah so I kind of became you do it subconsciously of course and it's it's never intentional but you kind of conform to your surroundings just as yeah. a survival tactic yeah um, 
so I think I did want to find myself through finding other people in the world, hopefully that had my same interests or, or yeah, something like that. Okay. Um, I think it was very much about finding myself because I did decide to go back to Nazareth and, and live there. Um, for how long? For two months, I stayed in Nazareth. Oh, wow. Um, which was really lovely because I, I never really had the opportunity before that to spend uh, extended periods of time with my grandparents. Yeah. Um, or my cousins who I, I'm very close to and very similar to. Mm. Um, so it was very nice to do that. And then I was also volunteering at the, the Human Rights Association and kind of you know, getting to the root of the, the Palestinian issue. Okay. Very hard to do from abroad. Yeah. And, and I, I think you, you don't really get the, the, um, the proper perspective if you're not really on the ground. It's, it's different from being told stories and, and being on the ground. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Sure. You just feel, even, even if it's not the case, you do feel like you're doing more. Yeah. Uh, good when there's something there that you're seeing or feeling or seeing change. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, that was very fulfilling, I think, even for a short period of time. Um, and then afterwards, I, I was going with the whole human rights thing. Um, and I went to Naples, and that was the first time that I was really introduced to life in Italy. But um, how, did, how did you decide that uh, Naples was the place? It was honestly, it was pure, like, coincidence. <laughs> it was very okay. random. Um, or, or not so random, but just very, it was more about convenience because a friend of mine had told me that he was going to do a volunteer program and that he was doing it through a certain, um, a certain organization called um, IVHQ is what the, is what they're called. Okay. Um, and they have different bases in, around the world. And the one in Italy was just the, the closest one to Nazareth. Cause I just okay. wanted to close to home. So I just went yeah. to Naples out of convenience. <laughs> um, and that ultimately changed my life. <laughs> Um, because that was the only reason why I decided to look at Rome for universities. I had already applied and was accepted to a school in New York. Okay. And I was ready to go there. I just told them that I was going to defer for a year. Mm. And then Naples, and I found a school in Rome. And I was like, why would I go to New York if I could live in Rome? Wow. <laughs> um, so that was that, really. And um the the experience in Naples, I will forever be thankful for that because it, it really just, it changed how I thought about the refugee crisis and it made it very human to me because um, all of the, the kids that I was volunteer, volunteering with, mm. my age, I can't even call them kids, they were just my, like my same age, just people that, you know, looked like me and acted like me and you know, and and uh, what was the work that you were doing while you were there um, in that uh, working for that organization? It was just a, a refugee center. So the the center was called Daedalus Cooperative, mm. and they took in um, unaccompanied minors. So they were all under eighteen. Okay. Uh, the refugees were all under 18 and all um, uh, without uh, parents or any legal guardians. Mm. Um, and my job was really entertainment. Like I was just there to uh, talk to them because a lot of them were Arab. So they wanted more Arabic speakers to help them feel more like welcome. Um, the center was the first place that the refugees would go or like, or, um, would see before they got placed in their apartments. Yeah. So I, I really was there to greet them. And it was, it was very difficult sometimes because they um, would just have gotten off a boat, you know, and it's, 
terrifying for them to be on this land that they've never been to without their parents. A lot of them didn't have communication, like cell phones or anything to, to be in contact with their parents. Um, and the, the difficult part of it was trying to make them feel like we're here to help. Yeah. And kind of knowing that a part of it you're, you're very helpless with because Italy is not um, efficient with their paperwork. Like they can't, they can't do much uh, efficiently. Like that's, I've learned that over the years and I'm sure Mo too, it's just yeah. a mess, like really organizationally. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very difficult. So it was hard for us when, you know, the, the cooperative was really trying their best to get mm. all these kids uh, their, their documents and they couldn't. And then the kids couldn't work because they didn't have documents, but the whole reason they left yeah. their trees and their homes was to get money and send it back home. Okay. So um, it, was, it was very heartbreaking work a lot of the time, but um, thankfully like we were assigned like the lighter Mm. of it which was just I, I'm going to print out activities and coloring books and some days we'll go on trips to the museum or the botanical garden and I'm here to be your friend and I'm here to make you feel comfortable um, is what like I was doing which is like the easiest part of everything yeah but it makes a huge difference you know in someone's uh, especially on the receiving end yeah it was very fulfilling there were there was one case that i remember um very vividly of this boy um his name was ahmed i don't know his last name but he was from i i think he was from ghana yeah he um came to italy to uh, help his family because he they needed to make money so they sent him here by himself mm. Um, and I was the first person that he he met and he talked to, so um, he felt very comfortable with me out of all the other uh, volunteers. And um, he was just very happy every day when I came in. And he was like very eager to play with me, like the oh, game. That's beautiful. We play so many games and like uh, like we were learning Italian together because I didn't know any Italian either. So we were doing it together, and he felt like I was more like his friend instead of like somebody authoritative, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it reached the point where he was so comfortable with me being there every day that he told me like in, in confidence that he was, he said like, I lied to everybody. I'm actually 21. Um, but I told everybody I was 18 so I could get help with my papers. And he was like, please don't tell them. Like, don't tell anybody, please. Like, I trust you. And I was like, of course, like I won't tell. But yeah. that's when I realized that a lot of the kids come and they lie about their age. Yeah. So they can get help because the second they're 19, yeah. uh, the, the cooperative can't actually do anything for them. Okay. Um, so it was, it was very difficult um, to like hear what they had to, you know, he had to change his identity to get help. Oh. So he, yeah. It was, it was difficult. Okay. Eye-opening, definitely. And yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> after that, I loved, I loved Italy. Um, yeah. So I, I kept coming back and I found JCU. Mm. So I went there for two years. Um, met Mo. Mm. <laughs> um, and really enjoyed my time in Italy, Italy in terms of the city and in terms of uh, the culture. Mm. I was not a fan of the school. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Something I've heard about that. <laughs> um, and now I'm here. So, All right. yeah. That good. Good, good. Well, I, I think all this experience must have um, 
shaped you to become the person that you have come to you have become today. And uh, I would now like to uh, discuss a bit about um, something that is is your passion, and that is art. Um, and I would like to know from you what does uh, what does art mean to you, and how does it how does it impact you in your life? I love that question. Yeah, <laughs> that's. Uh... It's interesting because it is different to everybody, but um, to me, I find that it, it does have a lot to do with making sense of the world as, as language does. So to me, I find it easier to consume things or like digest, uh, like translate visually um, than it does through language. Yeah. Um, there, there's just this, kind of state that you reach when uh, an artwork kind of makes sense in your head and everything clicks and it's just the most fulfilling feeling yeah. I've, I've ever, you know, experienced. Um, but it's only with specific artworks and only with very specific explanations of the work. So yeah. I, I guess I've, I went into art kind of hoping to make sense of the world and kind of take the, I guess, mysteries or the gaps in the world that people haven't really put together yet and, mm. and make it coherent for people who understand the world the way I understand the world. Okay. Um, and then I also find that it's, it is about um, finding you're you're less um you're less kind of conditioned brain and mm. reverting back to a state where you are questioning things um kind of like a child because the greatest artists you know first have to understand um like the basics of life like you're you're living in time and space mm. in an era with people that surround you that also are living in a different time in their space. And somehow we all have to kind of cohabitate yeah. <laughs> the world. Um, and there are just things that you kind of take for granted in your daily life that uh, when you question them, it, it brings you a new kind of reality than you would otherwise live if you didn't question those things. Okay. Um, yeah, am I taking too long to answer the questions? <laughs> no, 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 that's perfect. I was just making sure that uh, I've got a, a button here uh, pressed. Okay. Um, yeah, no, please just just go ahead. I'm, I'm just intrigued by what I hear that uh, on how you how you look at art, how you perceive it and how it affects you. Yeah, so please carry on. Um, I guess I can explain it best through like, I get like showing you a, an artwork of mine that's a favorite. Yeah. Um, here, let me pull it up on my phone. There was one work that's called um, The Treachery of Images mm -hmm. that was done by Rene Magritte, who he called himself the philosopher of art. And I, I genuinely believe that every good artist is a philosopher. Yeah because it, it takes such critical thinking and kind of mind power to be able to reach truths like this yeah. in, a, in a language that you made up by yourself. You know, like each artist has their own, um, their own technique, their own style, and that's very individualized. And when you think about it, just like hieroglyphics, like somebody, you have to make that make sense to you. So yeah. that's now your language that you made up for yourself and that you can only read now and that you have to educate people on how to read your own work. And, and how, how does that process of educating people to read your language of art, how does that work? Because you, 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 you uh, produce your piece of art. It means something to you. And uh, this process of conveying what it means to you or how to read it so that you can understand maybe not necessarily in the way that you intended, but even 
in the way someone else can understand. How does that work yeah, from your experience? That's a question that I, I also think about a lot because I took a, a, a curating class in, um, in my second year that was basically about that. How do you arrange artworks that are very difficult or sometimes complex to understand in a way that is available to the people that you want it to be available to? Yeah. And um, it's interesting because we've progressed to a, a, a kind of society where we do respond most to like words and language. Yeah. But even that is in itself, there's people that respond to reading better and reading in their head or reading out loud yeah. or um, only audio or only a video. Right. Um, so there's multiple different ways to kind of explain things with words but then mm. sometimes you don't even need any words to have a, a, a narrative some people do understand uh things purely visually yeah um and the job of a curator is very difficult because they have to bridge the gap between the artist's intentions and then the audience and then sometimes the artist doesn't particularly want to make it so obvious yeah or, an audience that they don't want it to be, I guess, like dumbed down for an audience. Okay. There's a lot of different facets for it. Uh, I've even seen recently they made um, they've made paintings that are uh, relief paintings so that blind people can see them. Oh, really? Yeah, which is very interesting because I never thought about how does a blind person see art. Well, actually, I've had uh, some discussions with some people, um, uh, well, not, not so long ago, of, um, about whether uh, individuals who are born blind can see or not. Yeah. And uh, the question, so it was a back and forth, but uh, I think there was almost like a, a final verdict was that, uh, that they see but they don't see in the way that uh, people who can actually see with, the, with their naked eyes see, because otherwise they will not be able to imagine and describe things. Interesting. So these yeah. figures or, or just completely abstract? Uh, well, that, that we couldn't get to, uh, to agree on that one yet. So I think uh, with what you've just explained now, maybe that is something that uh, is an attempt to be able to... Uh, to bring another layer for them to be able to describe, well, to appreciate and to be able to describe uh, artwork as well. Yeah, it's yeah. really, it's, it's interesting because that by itself is a, is a bridge that you have to make, but then you have to make that same kind of bridge for every viewer. Yeah. There are some artworks that if, you're, if they're not explained to you, you might as well be blind, you know, looking at something that's just, you know, um, um, for example, like Mark Rothko makes just blank works of art, just a, a, a box of red. Yeah. And if you don't read about it or if you don't hear about it or learn about it, that's just a red box to you. Okay. So uh, for you as an artist, um, what is important to you uh, when you are creating uh, your, your artwork? Is it, do you have a specific message that you wanted to, to reach the audience or do you leave it open for them to translate it in, in whatever way that uh, they perceive? What is more important to you? I, I do appreciate um when I'm given the chance to uh, include my input on an artwork. Yeah. Um, to, to input my own explanation or to have my, my opinions portrayed clearly. Okay. That's also very interesting to me when I just have no context and put work out into the world and then people make their own sense of it in their own heads because at the end of the day when when you're making work, it's 
either you're making it for yourself or you're making it for another person. Yeah. So if you're making work for another person, then you they might as well just make their own meaning of it because then it's significant to them and it doesn't matter really if it's significant to you. Um, and then there's work that I make just for myself and, and those works are, um, I'm very attached to. Oh, okay. <laughs> they, they're, they're more of a kind of extension of me and that's, that's more um, things that I, uh, I guess get function from. I'm, I'm very interested in work that has a function okay decoration so that's yeah. why it's more like a fashion oh, interesting um, a fashion route okay um because i do i do think that people giving life to an artwork mm. is very beautiful and it, it carries itself throughout the world you know so every time i ship out um a piece of clothing that i make somebody is adopting that into their life and then putting meaning to it that I I no longer have the power to really control, which yeah. is interesting to me. Um, I have been curious about like where my clothes go, like yeah. what you know what happens. Actually, um, I I hadn't really thought about it, but then Mo said something. Yeah. Um, that made me think about. I think it was last Christmas. Yeah. Um, I was getting a good deal of uh, orders for. Christmas time, like right before Christmas, yeah. and Mo mentioned, um, he said something like, oh, wow, people are going to be opening your your clothing for Christmas morning, and that's going to be something that they're excited about. And I was wow. like, wow, like that, that's very true. I never thought of it like that. Like, that's going to be a gift. Like, yeah, be somebody, and that's going to start its own story. Okay. Their lives. Mm. Uh, all right um so um well you are you are a very interesting person i can tell you that you i think we have uh we can have a lot to talk about so if i if um if i speak to many people that know you yeah what is it that you think they maybe something that they don't know about you um let me think about that i i think that um the people that see me that um are not very close to me the ones that i don't talk to um mm -hmm. every day um I think they have kind of an image of, uh, I guess, like chaos. Yeah. <laughs> I think that I, I kind of portray a lot of like craziness, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> like over my social media and, and over um, and things like that. Mm. I understand when, um, and also when you say you're an artist, you know, people are like, oh, like, you didn't pick a real, a real profession, <laughs> you know. We, which brings me to, an, to another question uh, about uh, art and artists, um, that um, do you think, um, okay, uh, do you think that um, uh, artists are given in general, are given the same importance, uh, especially for parents when they look at their kids, when they pursue art or art-related professions. Do you think that they are given the same prominence or importance as uh, other fields? Yeah, absolutely not. It's it's um, it's I think very important now to to shift that idea for. For parents, yeah, um, because it, even even if it looks like the the child is not really performing well in school or in academics, mm. um, that's just the, a language that they don't have much connection with. Yeah, 
if they are if they are exploring artwork as their way of translating the world it's actually taking a lot more effort or a lot more kind of creative energy yeah to produce work than even just going to school like i i genuinely believe that artists um have to spend a lot of their time self-motivating um organizing their thoughts into ways that are sometimes it's conceptual not even visual yeah but, um that are kind of coherent to themselves and that takes a lot of uh, organization and energy and um i guess sense of self because yeah. otherwise they don't really have anything to go off of yeah um and even even like me i see people who are doing music and i have no connection to music i have no idea how it how it works yeah um that's a, that's something that i thought was a simpler process than it is and it's you know so far yeah. beyond what i i think is uh, with uh, everything well personally i think uh, when i look around is uh, uh, i think art is uh, is a very beautiful thing and I find that uh, overall, when I look around again, uh, parents don't seem to give it the importance that it deserves. So it's highly underrated, I think, from, uh, from the perspective of uh, parents in general. Uh, and this is something that uh, we, can, uh, we can have on a conversation at a later stage. Uh, we don't have much time left, and I just have maybe one or two questions. Okay. Uh, uh, one of it is, uh, I would just like to know what is uh, your idea of success? What does success mean to you? That's also a very good question. Mm. Um, I think my idea of success is, um, well, for me personally, I guess there's me and then there's the circle of people that I surround myself with. Yeah. Um, and I think it's crucial to have success relate to your network and the people surrounding you yeah. um, and not just your individual self. Um, because I think when you are looking to inwardly uh, or, or maybe just as yourself, as an isolated bubble, you're kind yeah. of excluding the fact that you um are reliant on people to succeed and are reliant on even a fan base to yeah. succeed. Um, and in that case, I think those are the people who think that it's money and think yeah. that it's power and fame. Uh -huh. um, I think that uh, a, I'll say a fulfilled life is one with ample connections and then having kind of uh, uh, a support system where you have um i guess vulnerable open relationships with the people in your direct community yeah um and you're comfortable um moving through your daily life and in a in a confident way yeah um and in a fulfilling way i think i think a, a successful life is one that is um about community and about family and wow yeah no i really like that perspective um you don't you don't find that many often uh when you speak to people because they team they tend to talk about tangible things and this concept of uh, an individual in the in relationship to the to the wider community i think if we adopt many of us as we live our life it tends to make a, a huge difference in our lives and it, this world then becomes a better place for, for many of us, yeah. So I think uh, uh, on that note, I would just like to uh, maybe give you the opportunity either to ask me a question or to say anything um, that you would like to share, a word of advice or anything to, the, to me as your host and also to the audience. Uh, and then uh, then we can uh, finish off uh, until later time. I do have some questions for you. <laughs> okay, all right, shoot. I'm curious, I guess, what, um, what are your goals 
for what to gain from this podcast? And then how are you going to relate it to other people in your circle, like your friends and um, I guess like people even older generations? Yeah. yeah. So I think uh, for me, uh, this idea was was born uh, almost as an accident, but uh, I was encouraged. So I've always had an interest in speaking to younger people because I, I find uh, that uh, there's always something that you can learn from other people. And uh, because of the, of the divergent views between younger people and the older people, I've been more interested to see things from younger people's perspective so that we can bridge the gap. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, my view is always that whatever you know, there's always something that you, you can learn more and that's hence taking this uh, beginner's mindset um, uh, title, which is that until you think that you don't know, you can never learn. So that's that's how I see it. And uh, uh, my objective is that through this conversation, uh, there will be an exchange uh, where I will learn, but an exchange also that uh, it can also provoke thinking to towards me and towards the younger people that I talk to and eventually affect all the audience that are going to be listening once we have this uh, up and running in the in the shared uh, platforms and this is where i think it will have hopefully uh, the most impact for those who tune in and listen being younger people older people they will probably start when they listen they'll start asking themselves questions on the things that they believe and how they live their lives and whether they need to to change how they look, how they look at things. So that's that's basically my objective to this. But uh, on top of that, I think it, it's just I find it to be uh, it's a very joyful experience when I talk to people. So I, it's fun for me as I talk uh, uh, when we hold a conversation. But then I think uh, in the long run, it will to be beneficial to the uh, to the wider population. So if it's two people that are influenced, then that's a big plus. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm supportive of this. Yeah. Has there anybody, have you met anybody that's been, um, I guess, negative towards this idea or kind of questioned you for like what it is? Uh, so far, uh, no. And uh, my my uh, focus has, has so far been on the younger people and that's what I intend to continue doing. But, uh, you know, just uh, with what you had just introduced as an idea, I think this will evolve and maybe there will be some special episodes that I may even invite a group of different age groups to have a conversation. And uh, it may take a different form from what we are having now. But then again, I, I don't have a very set idea of how I want it to be, but I want it to be a journey where it's a self-discovery, learning, developing, and uh, we can change and tweak it as we go along, as long as it's also fun. And it's an informal conversation as well. Yeah, it's an art yeah. for you. You're working on the, the language. Yeah. 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 Um, and as we continue to have this conversation, I would just like to know if there's any particular uh, topic or topics that you would like to uh, to talk about at a later stage because one of the things that uh, through this uh, podcast that I'm, I'm going to do is uh, maybe once every uh, once a month or once every two months I'm going to have a special session where will be a discussion about a particular topic and I can have anywhere between one to three guests uh, all in the in the episode, and then we can just have a conversation around that. Okay. And 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 I would like to know if there's any particular topic that you is of interest to you that you would like to be to take part in in the future, so that I know uh, to look for you when that time comes. Um, interesting. Um, there's a lot of topics that I have opinions. Okay. <laughs> um. But I think something that um, I thought would be relevant to the podcast mm. 
um, because you you yourself are bridging kind of generations, you know, yeah. so you are kind of translating from generation to generation or, or even like, um, uh, like re restructuring conversations to be, you know, cross generational. Yeah. And maybe it would be interesting to to have a conversation about um, kind of like the psychology of um, like relationships with children, mm-hmm. or um, what what is significant about you know growing up that has formed you, you know, nature and nurture. And um, I, I do find a lot of, a lot of inspiration from kids. Like that's a big thing that I, <laughs> I pay attention to and kind of, what's it called? Um, cognitive psychology, behavioral psychology. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All so. right. All right. So is there anything maybe you want to share with uh, with the audience that uh, maybe a word or two that you would like to say? I'll share my I'll share my motto that I've been living by um, recently. It's to to be intentional with everything that you do and to um, to think through uh, decisions and actions before you follow through with them. You know, I'll tell you one thing about that. This morning, uh, when I got up, I was, um, I think I got up, I took a shower and I was ready to get started. And then I was downstairs, then Mo was like, whoa, where do you get that energy? And uh, and I was like, well, you know, and I was just joking, but it's just a resonate with what you say. I say, you have to be intentional with, and you have to be deliberate with how you want to lead your life and how you want to start your day and end it. So thank you for that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so thank you very, very much. And uh, it's been a pleasure having you on my podcast. And um, I think we'll be in touch. Absolutely. Yeah, for further details and see how you can have, uh, you can listen to, to this uh, conversation that we have just had. Yeah. All right. Good being here. Thank you so very much. Okay, thank you. I look forward to it. Okay, enjoy the rest of your day then. You too, have a good night. Okay, bye. Bye Bye-bye.